All right, let's go to the BetQL guest line. Sports betting has come to Maryland. Don't place your first bet without checking with BetQL. BetQL analyzes every game to find you the most profitable betting opportunities. Get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app or visiting BetQL.com. Let's go straight to the phone lines and go to Barry Zaluga. You can see Barry on Twitter with his namesake. How you doing, Barry? What's going on, brother? What's up, Brian? How are you? Doing I, well. Thanks. I'm doing fine, man. I mean, JP just went, he left me, went to vacation, and he left me by myself, so. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it, man. Hey, somebody. So, guess what? I'll get him back in a few weeks, believe me. Yes. But what's any, anything new on the sale of the Commanders? So, not really that I uh, know of firsthand. I mean, I think it, last week was such a big, you know, bang, bang developments with, with first the post story um, that Dan Snyder is essentially seeking protection from future actions against him. If he does give up the team, which is, you know, riled up NFL owners and, and may in fact lead to, you know, that elusive can three quarters of them come up with a vote to, to vote him out. And then the, the ESPN report the following day that <clears throat> really traces the, you know, all the bad blood between Snyder and his former um, minority partners back to this line of credit that Dan apparently took out that they didn't know about, um, you know, led to some accusations of financial impropriety and maybe even criminal activity. So it, it just bubbles, Brian, it just bubbles. And then, you know, where, where are we on Jeff Bezos? You would think a, a reporter at a paper, owned by Jeff Bezos might know something about that. And I don't know anything about it. I mean, you, you, yeah. we're not, he's not in the cubicle next to mine. So I don't have, uh, have access to that, but I, you know, it, it feels like um, this is such an important development. There's no, we can talk about Sam Howell and Eric, the enemy and, and, you know, Ron Rivera and all the stuff that for normal franchises would be, the talk of, of an off season, mm-hmm. but there's nothing more important than who owns this team. And, True. and if Dan Snyder sells it. So as much as like, you know, your heart rate gets up thinking about all this stuff, <laughs> I, I take the long view and, and, and say, if this ends with a sale at any point, that's the most important thing. That should be the goal for, for any fan that, that, there's a new owner, a new direction, and new hope at some point in the future. Yeah, I've been looking at it with the wait-and-see approach because I feel – I looked at some stuff uh, yesterday, I think it was, that popped up. I think Rappaport put out something that said, well, some friend of somebody sent him some stuff saying that this guy uh, – I forgot the name of the person – was working on finalizing the deal to purchase the team. I'm like, okay, why did you post that? Because that basically said nothing, and it's like, let's say – you or I walking down the street and somebody come up and say, yo, man, my friend, my friend's dad's about to buy this team. I don't think that's enough information for me to run to put on social media. Yeah, and I also, I mean, I think we probably talked about it this way before. Like, if somebody said to me, would you that would own the Washington Commanders in, say, you know, March uh, 2024, I would say – no, I'd bet that somebody else owns it. I, I would say, you know, I, I think more than a 51% chance that, that he that he sells it. But I think you can simultaneously live in a world in which you won't believe that a sale has actually occurred until the ink is dry. I, I mean, there, it just it, there's such a massive opportunity for a bait and switch here. And 
I think this fan base and those of us who have been, you know, you've been in that um, in that building as an employee, you've been a media member here for as long as I've been here. I think those of us who have been around it and been exposed to it have been almost conditioned into pessimism or, or skeptic skepticism about, you know, could a, a good development, a major good development actually happen? Um, it, it, you know, every time we think, oh, there's plans for a new stadium, well, something else falls through. You know, it's with something this massive, just the two plus decades of, oh, we've been disappointed, disappointed, disappointed again, has kind of got us into a mentality where it's hard to be hopeful about that stuff, if that makes yeah. any sense. That makes a lot of sense to me. And I think for me, when I hear, I hear a lot of stuff myself, I know people in and out of this city that works in different spots. And I really believe a new ownership comes, D.C. becomes uh, back into the race of getting a, a stadium built in it. Do you see that or you don't? You think D.C. is completely out of it? No, you know, it, it's. I think it's a moving target, Brian. I mean, the current constitution of the D.C. Council certainly has a lot of members that um, are opposed to the RFK site as uh, as a use for a football stadium. They want it to be – they need more affordable housing. Um, they don't want it to infringe on the neighborhood in a way that they think it would out there. I, I'm – you know, I'm not in that camp, and I actually have on my list of things to do to reach out to some of those council members and talk through um, that issue. The stadium was there. Uh, there's plenty of space around it. It doesn't – it's not um, – you know, they only 15 years ago held 81 baseball games there uh, yeah. a summer. It, it's not overly disruptive. I don't live that far from there on, on Capitol Hill, and I, I don't find it to be offensive. Um but you you do have to you know navigate um, the current political structure, whoever's in those seats uh, uh, at the time. We know the name had to change. The name has been changed. We think that maybe the owner had to change. Maybe the owner is changing. I'd love to see what the political landscape is in the district looked like when we get to that point where there's a new name, a new owner. And and maybe it would seem attractive to some of those people to to put a football stadium there with some other multi-use, you know, could be retail, could be housing. There's plenty of space out there. Yeah, I I, I know that people have dug in the sand, but I always felt like, yeah, the D.C. Council, they have their right, but also the federal government has their rights to do stuff. And I believe if you get one of those people to start sliding the other way, the stadium is going to come back. Well, and that's that's an issue too, right? I mean, we have to remember that that um, the district doesn't have control of the land yet, so we're a long ways to from coming to a solution on a on a stadium site. But I also think, Brian, that if and I think you probably agree with this, if and when the ownership changes, you go from having three jurisdictions in the district, Maryland and Virginia trying to distance themselves from helping this franchise build any sort of um, stadium that would involve, you know, infrastructure changes and commitment of dollars in that way to perhaps three jurisdictions, if not outright fighting and trying to outbid each other, at least competing against each other saying, we have the best situation for you going forward. I mean, I think that's another, because if, if I were to rank like what the issues are around this franchise, and this doesn't even mean, in the off season of 2023, this is probably the off season of any off season in the last 10 years. It would be owner first, stadium second, quarterback third. 
And I, I think that's just kind of a, a permanent, um, it kind of hangs over, over the franchise in, in that way. And, and it's possible if the owner changes, the stadium dynamics change completely. That quarterback thing, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I know we, we've heard uh, them talk throughout the offseason about uh, Sam Howell being the guy. And I think the answer that was given lately was a little different than what the first answer was. Like, he's going to be QB1. And then we always said, well, he's, he's one quarterback on the roster. Now they say he's going to get the opportunity to compete for it. Do you believe Sam Howell will be the starting quarterback next year or will they try to get somebody? Because I'm still stuck with when Ron was speaking, he was saying how people are going to find out what they're trying to do by him saying stuff. I think he's trying to pull okie doke by acting like they're not looking, but they're looking. That's possible, but, I mean, who are they looking for? Is it a Jimmy Garoppolo type? And, and then that is kind of a, you know, you, you hand the job to the second-year, fifth-round pick and, and say, go with it, but we've got kind of a safety net. I, I'm probably in the minority here, mm-hmm. but and Ron made a reference to, to Taylor Heineke maybe coming back. I, I think we know that Taylor Heineke is a backup in, in the NFL. Uh, he's a backup quarterback. That's what he's um, – he's best equipped to do. I do think it's possible that he could be, you know, one of the top six to eight backups of uh, in, mm-hmm. in the league. And you want to be in that position, but I don't think it would be, I don't think it would be paralyzing for um, Howell to have, you know, that guy in the quarterback room, as opposed to somebody in the Garoppolo, Andy Dalton, you know, veteran guy who's led, teams to playoffs and all that kind of stuff. I, I think the dynamic could be a, a little bit different. I, I think Ron's not always great on messaging. Um, I think what he's been trying to say is we think enough of this guy, um, especially considering where he was positioned for the draft, had he come out a year earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, we like his arm. We like what we've seen in practice. Uh, we're all concentrating on the fact that he's only thrown 19 passes in the one start. But they've they've got um, you know six months worth of, of or eight months worth of tape on on the kid from from practice. They know a little bit of what they've seen. Um, they don't want to hand him the job and just say you're the starter. Um, but I, I don't. I think I'm on. I think I come on the opposite side of you, Brian. I, I don't think there's some sort of great conspiracy that they're going to try to you know get Aaron Rodgers in here. Um, oh, no, at, I don't think Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I don't think right, Aaron Rodgers. Okay. I just think, yeah, because Aaron Rodgers, I think, no, no, no. I, no. Okay. okay. He come in with that $50 million, they won't be able to build anything at that point. Correct. Yeah, Correct. I, I think but, that would be. Like, Derek Carr's off the board now. Yeah, he's like, off. I think you're getting to that next level of, okay, this guy feels more like a retread backup and they're going to let the kid go rather than somebody who's, has the stature and is at the stage in his career where he comes in and he's automatically the starter would be my guess. And that it's just yeah. a guess. Well, I look at Sam and the thing about it, I'm, my, my daughter was at the little rookie uh, thing out in, uh, I think LA with him. And she came back, was raving about how nice he was. And I watch him play, you know, Jahan Dawson as well. So I, I'm pulling for both of those guys. I don't care if they, you know, I, I want them to get it. I'm just wondering like, cause I, when I'm telling you the truth about something, you could ask me the question 700 times. I give you the exact same answer. If I start switching my answer, I think you'll start saying, "Oh, is he trying to fool me about something?" And I think that's a little bit of what I get. That's why I ask. Well, that I, okay, and I can see that, but I also think that you're pretty straightforward, and Ron has a history of kind of dancing around stuff. I mean, it, it, what he's asked 
and his his answer on a given day isn't necessarily consistent um, yeah. with what his answer will be in, in, in two weeks. And I don't think that's out of a, you know, I'm lying to you kind of thing. I, I just think he, his, his messaging externally is not always consistent. And that creates a little bit of a, huh, what's going on here in, in the fan base and, and yeah. amongst us who, who talk about this stuff. I think that's exactly it because I know I, I've had every, almost every coach I've been around, they have, they always think something and somebody's trying to, do something. So they kind of talk in circles to keep you off, off base a little bit. Right. Yes. Right. I think that's right. And it, I, this is the last thing I'd say about the, the quarterback situation. I, I do, I am excited almost regardless of who the quarterback is, but particularly if it's Howell to see what Eric, the enemy yeah. builds and, and how he works this thing, because from what I've been told, you know, he, he understands um, the weapons that, that he has at his disposal and, and he did, you know, help a young quarterback um, who sat for a year uh, behind Alex Smith, you know, get, have instant success in, in um, a lineup that had a lot of weapons around him. And I'm not saying that Sam Howell is Patrick Mahomes. And I'm not saying that, you know, Terry uh, McLaurin is Tyreek Hill or whatever. Um, But there are some reasons to be excited that, if you come in and build it from scratch around the guy's skill set, and he has, he's not being thrown to the wolves in terms of, um, you know, Daniel Jones. A lot of people were talking about his improvement. He had nobody really to throw to last last year. Sam Howell or whoever plays that position with a new coordinator at the enemy is it's not an embarrassment of riches, but it's a strong skill set uh, group of guys. If they fix the line, I think you you have good reason to think he could have decent success. We're talking to Barry Zuluga on the BetQL guest line. Barry, you brought up Daniel Jones, and you've been around this thing long enough to know how the franchise tag was developed to to be used. It was developed to be used to keep your players around. But did you ever think that it was going to have Lamar Jackson and Daniel Jones being both possibly tagged for the same amount of money? That's mind-boggling. <laughs> I mean, it, just, it just doesn't seem like the body of work yeah. adds up. Um, but, as, you know, in fairness to Jones, um, you know, he hasn't had – he got a coach who understood his, stood his skill set and, and maximized it um, in Brian Dable, even though they didn't have great uh, weapons around him. Um, and that could change this offseason if, if they go for a receiver in the draft or, or whatever. The, the Lamar thing – is just um, it's just baffling because the the Ravens publicly say, you know, John Har- Harbaugh at every turn says this is our guy. I love him. We love him. We love him. We love him. Um, you you wonder about how much not having a professional agent uh, actually has impacted this mm-hmm. impacted this thing. Not knowing anything personally, I would I would think that that's that's a factor. Um, but it is. It's just crazy to think that somebody who's been an MVP and, and is, you know, the unquestioned centerpiece of, of one franchise and a guy who, you know, on opening day um, of the 2022 season in New York, I mean, I don't even think the fan base would have been split on whether they wanted him out of there. I think it probably would have been 65, 35 against Daniel Jones. Mm-hmm. It's, those don't seem like equal valued uh, people or players. Nah, they don't. And I, like for me, I was there when they started talking about all the franchise tag, and we were looking based at the NBA how they can keep their top players year after year after year. 
And this thing has gone from that mindset to basically it's like a punishment, you know. It's weaponized. Yeah, it's weaponized to where we don't want to give you a long-term deal. We're going to give you the franchise tag. And normally when a guy gets tagged, I start expecting within two years he's gone from the team because they can't do it the third year because you're going to have to give them the, the, the average of the top five plus 30% on top of that. They're not going to ever do that. It's, I mean, you know, it gets you back to um, Kirk Cousins' time here, and we can debate whether he was the right person for the job for the long term. He's certainly unquestionably the most productive quarterback they've had here over a period of years since since the Super Bowl years. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Deron Payne on that. Like, it, yeah. you know, he's going to make a lot of money in 2023. He's not guaranteed anything beyond that. What does that create? Um, ill will with the front office? Can they get a deal done before the season? You know, it doesn't mean they can't extend him and get something done um, longer term, but it, you're right, Brian, that it, it, the intent and the reality all these years later are, are not adding up. And I, I don't know enough about it to say it needs to change, but, but it definitely, it, it has gone from, Oh, you you got the franchise tag. That means you're going to make, you know, X amount of dollars. Well, that's great for you to, wow, they don't want you long-term, and, and this is, you know, uh, what have you done for me lately, um, Lee? Yeah. And it, if you only have this one-year deal, you're probably out of here in a couple of years. Like the average fan looks at the $18.9 million, and they go, oh, that's a lot of money. But I think Deron Payne and his agent look at the fact that if he was on an open market this year, he'd get $21, $22 million on a long-term deal and probably get about 45 of that up front. <laughs> yeah. <know>? and <laughs> That yeah. 18 to 45 makes a lot of a difference. And I, I think that um, – Fans need to understand, like, don't get me wrong. Everybody would say that $18.9 million is, is a, a, a tremendous amount of money mm-hmm. um, for, for one year. And if you told 10-year-old Deron Payne that some year that somebody would pay him that much money to play one season of football, you'd be jumping up and down and his parents would be jumping up and down. But the, the market matters. Yeah. Um, and, and it's your duty as a player to understand that, your careers are short and they are fragile and it's, it's your job, not in a selfish way, um, but in a practical uh, way to, to read the market, to understand the market, to understand your own worth. Because if, if you're not making um, proper market value, uh, that brings the market down for everybody else. So mm-hmm. it doesn't, it reads as a selfish thing for players. It shouldn't read that fans should understand, like these guys have to get, what they're worth. They have to do right by themselves. This is a multi, multi, multi billion dollar industry. And and if the money is not going to the players, it's staying with the owners and, and who wants them to get richer and richer and richer. So I'm I'm almost always on the player's side in this situation. I think it's just like, you know, as simple as when you do appearances in a certain town and if you're at a certain level, you can't accept a certain amount of money. Because if you do if you cut down then you hurt the other people behind you. I think it's the same thing in football. So, you know, and the people that, like, they look at the money, they got to understand they operate in a different atmosphere than we all do when it comes to money. So we can't compare our money to their money. The principle has to be the same, though. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it, whether you're a plumber or a football player, like, like you have to understand what are people of my abilities and my experiences getting paid around me, and I should be paid in a commensurate way. Just the fact that um, it's millions of dollars and more money than – and most of us can imagine, or, you know, people have to work 40 years to make what, what one of these guys is going to make in one year. That, that 
it's hard to divorce yourself from that, but you have to divorce yourself from that. If you're, if you're trying to consider what a player's motivation is, um, why he's upset to be, uh, you know, not committed to long-term. And just remember that, especially in the NFL where, where most of these deals are not guaranteed or only a percentage of them are, are guaranteed. It is a year to year, month to month, week to week business. And things can change in a hurry. If you don't get it when you're due, you're risking not getting it at all. All right. Well, Barry, man, we appreciate you giving us some time, man. We, we made a lot more people smarter. Let's say it like that. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. <laughs> all right. We'll talk one. to you next week, man. That's Barry Saluga joining us here from the Washington Post. You can get him on Twitter at Barry Saluga. Uh, join us on the Beck Hero guest line. We're going to take us a quick break here. And when we get back, let's talk about that a little bit. Daniel Jones, Lamar Jackson, post, both possibly will be tagged. Does that seem fair to you in any way, looking at what Lamar has accomplished and what Daniel Jones has accomplished? Be Mitchell Finley, 1067 The Fan. We'll be right back. Be Mitchell Finley, 1067 The Fan. You just heard Craig Heiss. Derek Carr, four years, $150 million contract, but right at $100 million in guarantee, $100 million in guarantees. I think when we look at this thing, though, that's an average of $37.5 million a year. The franchise tag now for the quarterbacks, top five, the average is $32.5 million a year. Lamar Jackson, some people say it's going to be franchise tag, 32.5. And also Daniel Jones, 32.5. I would put Derek Carr ahead of Daniel Jones. I would not put him ahead of Lamar Jackson overall. Uh, so when you look at him making that average where he's guaranteed $100 million, I think that's what LeBar is looking at, the guarantee aspect of it. I understand what many people's thoughts are, like the owners are mad that this happened, that happened. In the NBA, it wasn't always guaranteed contracts until the free agents decided to fight for it. The top free agents decided, well, we're not going to play if it's not guaranteed. And I think you're going to have to have – uh, a certain level of quarterback or a certain amount of quarterbacks fight for it for them to start getting it. Now, many people say, well, Lamar doesn't have an agent. I think that hurts him, and I'm going to tell you why I think it hurts him, because they don't want to set that precedent where a guy could come in without his agent. I, I still believe, and I know some agents might get mad, and I don't give a damn if you do, a lot of agents, just like they will cut a deal to be – team-friendly on this deal to make sure their next guy going to get signed somewhere else or later on on that team. So you get caught in a little situation. But the whole thing about it, every player knows what the sliding is. They know how much they're supposed to make or what they should. The guarantee thing is going to be more than just one or two people, and I think the owners are mad at the, own, the, the owner of the, of the Cleveland Browns more than they are anything for giving the deal to Deshaun Watson. But guys are going to fight for it. But there comes a delicate time and a delicate situation where do you fight so hard that you make people not want to deal with you? And then you can't get that guarantee. And is it worth? Let's say you're trying to get the 230-something million fully guaranteed like Deshaun has. But they're offering you 180 to 200. Is it worth fighting for that 230-something to – where you may end up losing the bulk of all of that? You know, because I'm thinking if they offer me 180 to 190, 200, and it's not a fully fully, but it's full enough, I, I might have to sign that. But to each his own. 
But I still think there is no league and no contract structure in the world where Daniel Jones should be making the same money as Lamar Jackson. I don't buy that. I don't think it's a situation where Carr should be signing and making more money than Lamar Jackson. Not right now. So we have to do something. Uh, I know there were people that fought for it because we wanted to see uh, free agency. We wanted to see guys getting a lot of money. And as I stated, I was a part of the union at a certain level where we wanted the franchise tag because when we thought about it, it was made to be just like the NBA when they had this deal where they would be able to keep all of their players. That's not how the league is using this now. As Barry stated, it's been weaponized. When we feel we don't want to do a certain thing, we're going to just franchise tag you and we hinder you. And in most situations, it worked against the player and also the team because they never kept the player over a year or two. Kirk Cousins was so damn smart when they offered him that he took it. Because Kirk probably was like, okay, well, you want to give me that franchise, I give it. He wasn't going to get that guarantee nowhere else. And then he played it into the second year. As I stated, you will never get a person with a third-year franchise tag. That third year is the average of the five plus 30%. That's crazy. You won't give it. So the first year they do it, the second year they'll try it again because they did it twice with Kirk, right? That third year is not happening. So as I read when some, when they when they franchise tag uh, Deron, somebody said if you're not going to sign him to a long-term deal, just trade him right now. I think you tag and you try to find a trade and you move because normally it would not help. It would not work out in a long-term way. And I understand a lot of people out there that are saying this, that, and the other, but you got to understand, they have feelings in this thing too. Emotions come into it. And then the player knows I can hold on for a year or two. And if I get two years, then I'm out. There ain't nothing they can do about it. But when I saw Daniel Jones was going to possibly be tagged, and then I started hearing those little rumbles that Lamar could be, I just immediately thought, like, they going to make the same amount, same amount of money? You got one guy as an MVP, one MVP, not a candidate. He won it. The other guy, like Barry stated, had one year, one good year. And they make the same amount of money. But this is part, this problem is not the union. This part right here is the damn league where they feel that, oh, the quarterback has to make a certain amount of money. Every quarterback is not the same. You know, in the NBA, if you're a top-notch point guard, you get paid top-notch money. You're a top-notch forward, you get paid top-notch money. You you don't just get money because you play the position, and that's how they've done it. But it, it comes based off of what the league has always been run by. Before the quarterbacks, the quarterbacks were separate from everybody else. They had the quarterback club, and they treated them differently. Well, now all that is underneath the control of the, the union. But the league, the owners, they still paid them differently. And I think that's where a lot of the confusion comes because I watch football often. I do it for a living. And when I look at a team, I know damn well that quarterback should not be paid higher than most of the other guys on the team. 
But there are teams where the quarterback deserves every money, every piece of money he gets and should probably get more. But that's not every team. And that has to get back, and I think they got to find a way. So I don't know when the next CBA is going to be. Try to get that try to get that little franchise thing out of that. If it's going to be used like it's being used, you will you don't need it in the uh involved anymore. I think it's about time they get to that point, and if they do, things will work out a little better, but we'll see. Uh just like we're taking a wait and see approach as Barry stated earlier about his team being sold. Let's see what's going to happen with Lamar Jackson. Let's see if they're going to franchise tag him or they're going to try to get a deal signed. But I can also, my message to Lamar would be, don't block yourself from making, and this is hella life-changing money, by trying to fight to make other hella life-changing money because eventually that stuff goes away and we know how they can work things and make things to make it to a point where you can't get what you deserve. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. We'll see where the deal goes with Deron Payne as well. Will they try to get a long-term deal, or would this thing be a sign, uh, get a trade out of this thing or whatever, get something for him? Because I don't know if they'll be able to sign him again back next year because you got other people coming up next year, you know? And the more I was talking to Barry about the quarterback thing, that shows me that they probably won't be able to go after a top-notch quarterback at this point because then that'll stop them from being able to do some other things that they want to do. So let's take a break here. We get back. We're going to talk about some bets. Well, we didn't bet over the weekend. We're going to get into this thing. Uh, heard it here. No, we may not do heard it here. No, I'm joking. We're going to get to the heard it here first. We're going to bet today. Uh, we, Jeff, we got you last week. I sent you down to pick up some stuff, and you fell for it. But uh, get some bets in. Be Mitchell Finley, 1067 The Fan. And people probably come back and make the set. <laughs> oh, boy. So, Jeff is a little annoyed because he had to go downstairs and pick up something last time. And he got back and we had already closed out the show. He won last week and that's all he gets. He, yeah, you know, he won. We'll let him have it. Unofficial. Unofficially, yeah. yeah. So, so. Uh, we're going to get our bets in this week. Uh, so we're going to let JP have two bets to catch up, or we going to, when he come back or not? No, nah, I think he should only get one. Yep, because he, he should have been back. No, nah, he took off the two days, they say. That's cool. Yeah, that's okay. Well, we came to work. But how about the time when you here and you don't come to work, Jeff? Did I get my bet last time? But you you didn't come to work. It wasn't that you took off on vacation. You just didn't come to work. Because I had something to do. It ain't saying. You are on the books, and then you don't show up. <laughs> when you already off the books, that's a different thing. Let's get to her to hear first. <laughs> 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 All right, Jeff, so uh, you were the winner, like, on a golf course. So you go first. You tee off first. Okay, so first, um, the results for last week. Uh, we don't want to talk about the results. We say your you, boy, you vote for your boy, turn off that Jeff mic, Too Funny, a.k.a. Mr. Jeff Walker for president. <laughs> first place, and I'm not even going to tell you who in the middle. I just want y'all to know that Brian Mitchell was last and did not hit any of his bets last week <laughs> at all. <laughs> and that's what, all I wanted to say. Okay. 
That's good. <laughs> and in today's let's go NCAA basketball. Uh, Anything you do, I'm going against you. Oh yeah, that's what I think. Give me Youngstown State. Who? Yeah, over Northern Kentucky. And then give me Louisiana Lafayette over South Alabama. Now, I can't let you bet on my team now. Well, join the parlay, brother. Mm-mm. I don't want that. It's a, uh, give me the 139. I'm going to take the under in, in the what? UL Lafayette game. Okay. And I'm going to take the 138 and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. cool. I'll take that. 138. This thing said 139. Okay, that's cool. And then. I don't know where to go, Lion Landfill. Uh, well, B. Mitch, I know where I'm going. I'm go. taking Oral Roberts minus 13 and a half. Really? Oral Roberts, which is apparently a school. Yeah, it is. It's named after uh, a old preacher, I think it was. Interesting name. Yeah. You very much. <laughs> you are a fool. That's what you are. Uh... I'm just saying, I've met a lot of people. Never met anybody <laughs> named Oral. Yeah. Or Horshaw. Horshaw. Never met him. He's a, he's a uh, pitcher. Okay. Uh, what's happening with the Boston Celtics that did somebody get hurt? They were up the other night by like 30-some points, and they ended up losing to the Nets. Did somebody hurt on the Celtics? That's I, don't, a- I don't think it is. Hold on. Let me check. You know, give me the Boston Celtics. They got plus seven and a half tonight. Uh, plus seven, whatever it is. Because Robert Williams is hurt. Robert Williams hurt. But didn't Mitchell get hurt for the Cleveland Cavaliers? I have no idea. Yeah, I think Mitchell got hurt the other night. And if Mitchell not playing, I can't see them beating the Celtics. Yeah, I think he got hurt. Give me the Celtics. With my under on the other game. That's my parlay. I'm just straight taking Oral Roberts. I'm going to let you and Jeff just close out that rest of that stuff. Y'all are crazy. <laughs> well, we should have JP back tomorrow. Uh, we'll get his take on uh, – we, we, he and I are going to break down the, the combine, look at all the stuff that happened in the combine. Wanted to wait till he got back so we wouldn't be repeating things. And then um, find out about this trip. I wonder – I did not put a bet in over under 35. Amount of drinks he was going to have while he was gone. I think you should definitely take the over on that. I, I took the over on yeah. So we got to make sure Danny calls us and let us know what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also want to find out what kind of bets he lost. Was he in Florida? Yeah. Uh, He's in Florida. I'll take the over. Playing golf. JP in Florida. And trying to get everybody to give him strokes. He needs to just learn how to play golf better. So we need to find out those two things for sure. Did he go over 35, which I – he, he should have. He was there four days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Four days, you should go over that. And I want to know if he won or lost when it comes down to the money. Because JP plays golf all the time, and his handicap hasn't moved 
in five years. He's not great. Yeah, I think I think what he's doing is uh, sandbagging a little bit. You know, sandbaggers are guys that play, don't put their scores in unless it's bad, but they don't they don't put the good ones in, so they keep the handicap high. And then they show up and they play in tournaments and they make all these little putts and pars when they shouldn't be making them based off of their handicap. And they act like they got lucky. All right, we're going to get out of here. Uh, everybody listen to the show. We appreciate you. want to thank Barry Zaluga for joining us. want to thank Tony Massenberg, um, Mike Jones, and also – Mark Stern. Uh, make sure you follow all those guys on their Twitter. Mike Jones is that is at by Mike Jones. Mark Stern is at Capital Hoops. Tony Massenberg is at Tony Massenberg. And Barry Zuluga is at Barry's Zuluga. Make sure you follow all those guys. Uh, if you made it this far, as JP would say, he owes you a beer. Or I'm going to add somebody else into it. Jeff owes you a bourbon. Be Mitchell Finley, 106.7 The Fan. See you tomorrow. Peace.